Let's see your Bibles, and we're going to hit Matthew chapter 2. The song reminded me of a series that I wanted to mention that we're going to be starting in two weeks, and that is going to be a series that is dealing with the future events, and we'll be doing that in Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings, that we'll be starting that again in a couple weeks from today. So I hope that you'll be able to join us, those at home that you'll join us as well. We are wrapping up a series that is called The Seven Scenes of Christmas, and the one I want to look at today fits appropriately because the events, the scene in Matthew chapter 2 came after the Christmas celebration. Celebration. But while you're turning and getting there, let me tell you a couple different stories about people who weren't real smart. There's a fellow by the name of John Gomes who just a couple of years ago, he had uh, been watching Forged in Fire, that show that some of you watch, that dealing with how to make weapons and, and knives and different things of that sort. He decided that what he wanted to do was make his own forge in his backyard by taking a 50-gallon drum and filling it with all kinds of petroleum and lighting it on fire and hopefully be able to put the metal in there and heat it up and then bend it and do whatever they have to do in order to make the knives. The problem is he picked the, the windiest day of the entire year. And when the flames caught a hold of that drum, they spread so that four apartment buildings and 28 other homes were devastated and damaged. The largest fire in that region of New York that they'd ever experienced. Not real brilliant. Here's somebody, his name is Michael Urbano of California, and he wasn't one of those most brilliant people. He came home late at night to his stepmother's house, and she was gone, had taken off, and he forgot to take the house key with him, so he decided to climb up on the roof, disconnect the TV cable wire and use that to rappel down the inside of the chimney. Oh, he thought this. In order to reduce the friction, he'll strip naked. So he stripped totally naked, started going down, and that TV cable didn't hold. He fell all the way down, got stuck in the flue of the chimney, and it wasn't until 6 o'clock the next morning somebody was walking by and they heard the call, but they couldn't figure out who's yelling for help. They couldn't uh, place the spot. Called the police. The police came, took them a few minutes to figure out somebody was up in the chimney, and that's where the voice was coming through. They called the fire department and somebody had to get on the bottom, somebody had to pull from the top, and they finally got him out. His stepmother did not want him to live with her anymore after that. (laughs) Not real, real smart. Here's a gal by the name of Susan Cole in Denver, uh, Colorado. She had been called for jury duty. She decided she wanted to get out of jury duty and she would come up with a brilliant plan so that she could be excused from Judge Ann Mansfield Court. So she showed up that day. She mismatched her shoes, her socks. She wore a very frumpy dress. She did her makeup in such a way that looked like it was totally disoriented. She put her hair up in a bad situation. She came and she said that she is suffering from, I always say the letters wrong, uh, post-PTSD. Did I say that right? They getting right? Okay. Um, that she was having a disorder. She was not necessarily able to live in her house all the time and in a very bad way mentally, emotionally. And so the judge dismissed her. Two weeks later, the local radio program is doing and talking about how people get out of uh, serving on a jury. She calls, she tells who she is, and she describes herself on the local radio station what she did to fool the judge. Guess who was listening to the program? The judge was listening to the same program, immediately ordered perjury charges brought against the woman. Here's a gentleman by the name of, oh, he didn't give his name. That's right. This young man around 20 years of age, he and some of his buddies, they decided to go and just hang around at a park as it was getting duskish. And they were hanging around the park, and he said to his buddies, I bet you $100 I could crawl crawl into one of those children's swing sets and just get myself in. And they bet him 100 bucks. So he crawled into the swing set. And he was there. They started giving him the 100 bucks, but he couldn't get out. So the friends left. The next morning at 6 a.m. when a jogger came by, they heard the calls for help. They called the police and the fire department. They couldn't get him out, so they unhooked the chains, took him to the emergency room, and used one of the cast saws to cut away the swing so that he could get circulation once again. We have all these stories of people that aren't too smart that do things that aren't the, you know, the top shelf of thinking things through. Then we have just the opposite in Matthew chapter 2. We have the story that we talk about wise men, and we read their story last week. We're talking about their story. We've answered some of the questions that typically come up that, ta- that are in conjunction with the wise men. Let me read the passage, and then let me do something with it. What I would like to challenge you this morning is look at their example, follow their example, so that you can become a wise person, making good decisions in 2021, that you would become wiser in the past. But let's get their story. In Matthew chapter 2, starting with verse 1, now when Jesus 
was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel." Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over the where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And then when they were come into the house, not a stable, but a house, they saw the young child, a toddler, not a baby, with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Last week we talked about several different aspects of characteristics of these wise men that made them wise, how they believed and accepted the word that they have, how they wanted to learn more about Jesus Christ, how they wanted to magnify and glorify him, that no matter what others did or didn't do, they were going to follow Christ. They were going to serve him. Let's pick up from there. And let's talk about several other character traits that make an individual, any individual, wiser and a wise person in 2021. Number six, as we've talked about. The wise people will worship Christ and him alone. Watch in the story that when they come into the house, it says that they saw Mary and the child and fell down and worshipped him. It's very clear that they felt that they worshipped Jesus Christ, not Mary. This contradicts all of that type of Mariolatry, that teaching that says that we're supposed to be exalting her or Joseph or other individuals. Wise people don't worship other people. They worship Jesus Christ. They worship him who is the one who is the creator, who said that God, Jesus alone is to be worshipped, that you shall have no other gods before him. We, we know that even the great beings, the angels, they rejected adoration. They rejected worship when people fell before them. We know that no creature is supposed to be worshipped. In fact, Romans 1 talks about when people start worshiping the creature, that's when they fell into even deeper sin that God finally gave them up to the reprobate minds. We've studied all last summer and into the fall, we were studying the book of Colossians, which the theme of Colossians, if you recall, is make Christ preeminent. Exalt him. Why? Because of who he is and what he does. Because he's the creator. He's the completer. We're supposed to be worshiping Christ. And if you and I are going to be wise this next year or continue in being wise or be become wiser, we're going to get it in our heads and our hearts that we worship Jesus and Jesus only during 2021. Let's do this. Let's go to number seven. Voluntarily humble yourself before Jesus Christ. Voluntarily humble yourself before Jesus Christ. In this passage, it says when they come to, into the house and they see the child, they fell down. That is the idea of they prostrated themselves before him. They humbled themselves. They, they worship him. They realize he is the one. Think about this. They're rich. He's poor. Think about it. They're older. He's a child. Think about it. They're nobles. He's of a lowly class. Think about it. They're scholars. He appears to be a child that's yet to be trained. And yet they bow, they bow before him. They humble themselves because they recognize who he is while recognizing who they are. That we are sinners, like all of us, they were too. That we are sinners, that we need a Savior. And they recognize that Jesus was that very one. Now, this is something that we need to recognize in this life. Because if we don't, surely we will be humbled before Christ than the next. In Philippians chapter 2, it says, Wherefore God has also highly exalted him... <clears throat> excuse me, and given him a name which is above every name. We're talking about Jesus. And he goes on and he says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. It's going to happen. 
One day we're all going to bow before him and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It is better for us to do it voluntarily in this life than wait until we stand before him in judgment and then we bow before him and realize it's too late. It's too late to confess him as our Savior. We need to do that in this day, in this life. So I ask this question of you. Are you wise in the sense that you would humble yourself before Jesus Christ? For those of you who have yet to do it, would you bow your heart in humility and admit that according to the Word of God, you are a sinner? And according to the Word of God, as a sinner, you do not deserve to go into heaven. That as a sinner, what you deserve is the wages of sin is death or separation from God. But rather that Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And if we call upon Christ, he will allow us to stand before the Father and gain access into heaven through what he has done. Would you humble yourself enough to let him become your Savior, your Lord, to admit that you need to repent of your sin, that you are not good enough to get into heaven on your own. Wise people voluntarily humble themselves before Jesus Christ by admitting and confessing sin, by admitting that he's the only way. Would you humble yourself, believer, fellow brother and sister in Christ, enough that you would humble yourself this week to bow your knee in prayer to Jesus Christ? Would you humble yourself enough that this year, if you have yet to declare your faith in Christ by baptism, would you humble your will to his and get baptized? Would you humble yourself to be able to allow him to control your time, to to dictate your schedule? Would you allow him to be able to control, guide, direct your future plans? Would you say, I'm going to humble myself enough this next year that I'm going to forgive somebody who has offended me. Despite my pride, my hurt feelings, the way I feel, I'm going to offer forgiveness the way I'm supposed to. Would you humble yourself before Jesus Christ that you would be willing to start being respectful to your boss, to the authorities that God has put over us? Would you be one who would say, I'm going to humble myself enough that I'm going to let Christ dictate my conduct, my speech, my entertainment, my music, my dating. I'm going to let Jesus Christ be the Lord of my life in all those practical areas. Would you humble yourself enough that you would say, He is the Lord of my life starting off now this next year, on this third day of this year, I'm going to let Jesus Christ be the dictator, the director, the guide of what I do, how I conduct myself, how I relate to other people. Wise people humble themselves. Let's do another thought here. Wise people, a modern wise person is one who gives Christ the very best that they have to give. We know that that is true out of this story. That the wise men came and they brought gifts. We understand that. We know about that. We sing about it. We know those gifts by reading it in the passage or by singing the songs. That what they came is they gave gifts that were of great quality. Well, we all understand what gold is. I don't even have to explain that. We all know that gold has great quality. But when we talk about frankincense, we have to remember that back in the ancient times, in the ancient Near Eastern era, in the land of Rome, that they considered that at times frankincense, because of the rarity of that perfume, it was even more valuable per ounce than gold was. And we understand that frankincense was used in the Old Testament when they anointed the priests. That it was something that signified that they are very special, that they are elevated in that regard. We know that it was used in the tabernacle, the temple rituals. That they burnt frankincense when they were offering up their prayers, like when Zechariah was standing as the one before the people praying and the angel appears to him. It was frankincense that he was going to be burning, representing all the prayers going up into heaven. That this was the way to get our prayers up there. So we know that frankincense was very, very important. And it had very uh, ties to Jewish ritualism and religion. Let's talk about myrrh. Myrrh is uh, another perfume that is harvested from a hardwood that's in that region of the world. And in that eastern region of the world, it is one of a tree that when they describe how they harvest it, I find it very interesting that they have to pierce deeply into the tree and then this bright red gum, resin, comes out that comes out almost like tears. In fact, when they're harvesting, they call it the tears of the myrrh tree. 
And so you have that picture of something that has been that has been hurt or harmed and bleeding, so to speak. We know that myrrh also had great medicinal qualities. That it was frequently used in ancient times to help recover individuals. But it also had a strong pungent smell that was pleasant. And they used it, the Jews frequently, in burial. In order to cover up the rotting, the, the bad smells, they would use the myrrh. Now many scholars, and I'm not one of them for sure, many scholars will look and say there's a lot of symbolism that's involved with these three different gifts that were brought. If you've been following the Wilderness Wanderings series that Pastor Art's been doing, he has been bringing out a lot of the symbolism that is, that is just replete throughout the book of Numbers. Just uh, so much there that is picturing Jesus Christ and, and ministry and worship and things of that sort. Well, what did the gold, frankincense, and myrrh stand for? I don't know for sure. I'm not that wise to figure it out. But I can tell you what many of the scholars will say. The gold stands for nobility or power somebody in high authority. Some will suggest that the frankincense being a, a, a sign of mediation in prayers is the idea of a mediator or it was used in the sense of picturing deity, somebody of that different quality. The myrrh, some will suggest his humanity, his suffering, his healing, his sacrificial death. And there's no doubt there's a lot of symbolism here. The reality is that the wise men came and for our sake of this study they came and they just gave very, very uh, great valued gifts. The best gifts that they had. We talk about who they were. They were probably of the noble class from Parthia. They would have the riches. They would have the wherewithal to get their hands on some of these items. Well, they brought them. They gave them to Jesus Christ. They gave the best that they had. It was much more than the widow who gave of her best when she gave the mites. It was much better than the perfume that Mary poured out on the feet of Jesus. But all of them, they gave the best that they had. And they gave it to Jesus Christ. The question that we have is, are we willing to give our best? And I wanted to point this out, that not only the quality, but the quantity is suggested in this passage, that it is a valuable treasure. The reason I say that is it says they open their treasures. The word in the original is they open their chest. They open up the cask. It gives the implication of not something small, but something a little bit larger. And so they're giving Christ something that is of high value, something that, that they consider very costly, very expensive in the, in the gift factor. But not only was it something valuable in the actual gift, it was valuable, as we talked about last week, the sacrifice, the effort that is given to bring the gift. And when we think about the gifts that we gave, that, that are given, they endured suffering. They endured danger as they were trying to get the gifts to Jesus Christ. And so the challenge is that you and I are to give the best that we have without hesitation. Just like they did. Give the best. Are you wise already in 2021? Are you one who is saying, I'm going to give Christ the best? When you gave your Christmas gifts to Jesus this year, did you give some of the best of your idea of your time, your treasures that you were going to give to Jesus Christ? What gifts have you given him? If you're sitting here right now and saying, you know what, we didn't really give Jesus a gift, then think about it. Let me give you some suggestions, some helps. What kind of gifts does the Bible encourage believers to give to Jesus Christ? When you look at some passages as Matthew 25, Jesus is talking in this text and saying, when you give to those in need... When you give to those who are hungry, those who are in destitute situations, you give to me. Charity. Helping out individuals in difficult times. That's a gift to Christ. In Acts and in 1 Corinthians, giving gifts of financial value, whether they be the actual monies or some valuable items, they gave them to the, the apostles, to the church, to be able to use in ministry and distributing to those in need and supporting those who are doing the full-time vocational ministry. That is a legitimate gift that, according to 1 Corinthians 16, that every Sunday when we gather, we should bring our gifts to Jesus Christ. There's another gift that's suggested in Hebrews 13 where he talks about that we're to be giving these gifts praise, thanksgiving, doing good, and charity. 
And so even our spirit, our conversation, our, our uh, rejoicing is a gift that we can give to Jesus Christ. Romans 12 talks about giving your body as a living sacrifice. That is, I'm going to do what Christ wants me to do with my body, with my time, with my, with my relationships, how I respond, how I conduct myself at work. Those are some of the variety of the gifts that Jesus Christ says you can give him. He would be pleased with. Our point is, wise people give the best that they have to Jesus Christ. Let's go on a little bit further, okay? As we talk about you fulfilling it, not just intending, but actually giving. Let's make another, another comment. I'm going to move on into number nine. Let Christ keep what you have given to him. Let Christ keep what you have given to him. Wise men give, gave the gifts and they left them there. They didn't take them with them. They didn't, they didn't come to worship Jesus and when they left, they decide, okay, let's take these items with us. And, and they could have thought this. They could have thought to themselves, he's just a child. What's he going to do with all these expensive gifts? They could have thought this. This is way too much for these folk. These folk don't, don't normally have gold. They don't normally have frankincense and myrrh. They could have thought this. They won't know how to handle such gifts. That would be apparent that Mary and Joseph were of a, of a lower class, a poorer class of individuals. They may have thought, what if they misspend the gift? We gave this, and then they, what are they going to do? What if they do something wrong with it? So why should I give it to them? Because they may not use it wisely. That's not what they thought. Okay? They didn't think that there could be problems if they gave the gifts. They gave the gifts. They gave them, they, and they left them with Jesus, Mary, Joseph. How they were provided for when they went to Egypt, scholars think that this is how God provided for them, getting these gifts, taking care of them. I don't know. Strong possibility to take care of their travels there, their relocation back to when they wanted to go to Bethlehem and end up in Nazareth and have to restart all over again after several years of absence. I don't know all those details, and you don't know either. But we know that the wise men gave the gifts and left them there. We know this, that when somebody makes a commitment, they should follow through with the commitment. If they're going to serve Christ this way, then serve Christ that way. And sometimes it doesn't happen. I'm right back to where I was a year ago. I'm playing hide-and-go-seek with the grandkids. Here we are celebrating the holidays, and there we're playing hide-and-go-seek. This time we're doing it in the dark with flashlights. And so while we're playing, I got the favor, my, my one spot. They never found me. After round, after round, after round. And then I heard one of their parents say, Hey, listen, did you pick up the toys in the basement yet? And I'm thinking, no, we're playing hide-and-seek. And all of a sudden got very quiet. The kids were gone. I sat there, and I sat there in my hiding spot. And then I could hear below me in the basement the kids were playing. They forgot me again. They forgot to find me. And one of the kids did come upstairs, and I heard him yell, Oh, by the way, Mom, we're going to clean up the toys, but we didn't find Grandpa yet. He'll wait. Oh, Really? I'm going to wait another hour behind the chair. I mean, just getting down was tough enough. Getting back up, I knew it was going to be tough. But an hour being cramped in that position? How many times do people get involved with Christ and they have fun serving Christ, but then they forget about him? And then they change what they're planning. I mean, it happens all the time. It happens how people who have made commitments to Jesus Christ, they say, okay, I'm going to give Jesus the gift of witnessing. And it lasts for a month or two, and then they take it back. They're no longer witnessing. We, we ask this question, did you give Jesus a gift of living at peace with all men? Here we talked, even last year, goodwill, peace to all people. I'm going to work at relationships and being peaceful with coworkers and family members. Did you stop being peaceful with your siblings and all these around you? What about this gift? You promised Jesus that you would faithfully pray this past year. But then within weeks, you took it back. You're no longer, you forgot about him. He's sitting there in the closet waiting for you to meet with him. But you've gotten preoccupied. You're picking up the toys. You're playing something else. What have you done as far as following through? When you said at camp, I'm going to give Jesus a surrendered heart. You came from that, that room back there, that chapel area. You walked into here. You prayed. I'm going to serve Jesus Christ as a teenager. I'm going to work at my speech, at my purity. I'm going to work at, at being a, you know, a more obedient person in the home and respectful. What's happened? Did you take it back? What about this idea? 
Some of you said, I'm going to give Christ the, the gift of purity. That when I date or in relationships, I'm going to be very pure with my sexuality, with my, with my body. Is it still there? Is that gift still on the altar? Or have you taken it back? What about giving Jesus the, the gift of being charitable? You said last year, I'm going to be more charitable. That's the gift that Jesus wants. He mentioned Matthew 25. We mentioned it this morning in Romans already and Hebrews that we give Jesus gifts. And I told God last year, I'm going to be more charitable. Were you? Or did you take the gift back? What about this? You said that you were going to be more conscious about visiting the widows, ministering to them, communicating with them. Did you? Or did COVID give you the free excuse to take it back off the table and no longer phone calling, no longer trying to make any contact? Wise men give gifts and they leave them there. They follow through with their commitments. They, they say that I'm going to do this and then they don't forget to do it. It is better not to vow than to vow and not pay, the word of God says. Wise people. Follow through with their commitments to Jesus Christ. They give them a gift, they leave it there. Number 10, wise people plan ahead for how they will worship and get closer to Christ this next year. They will plan their worship and how to get closer to Christ. Now we're already three days into the year. And it's not too late to talk about this. About planning what you're going to do this next year to get closer to Jesus Christ. Like the wise men did. The wise men, what they did is they planned this trip. This trip would have been of several hundreds of miles. They're taking wealth. They're taking riches. They're going to have to think about food and travel. Don't mistake the idea that in ancient travel, every 20 miles there was an oasis. There was a rest stop. There was something on the toll road. That's not true. They would have had a plan. They're camping. They're food. They wouldn't have been able to order out and have it delivered by a seagull or a vulture. They had to plan ahead. They had to plan. What are they going to do? With these treasures, how are they going to secure them? How are they going to keep them? They are going down what is often known as the robber's highway as they come into that region of Jerusalem. And so they did all this. They planned all this. These months of travel, these hundreds of miles of travel, they planned all this. The gifts, getting them gathered, getting them protected, getting them supplied, getting everything together, getting whatever they would need for animals or, or, or servants or security officers. They put in the planning because they wanted to worship Jesus. They wanted to get to know him more. They planned they prepared. So we start asking this question. What plans have you made in tw for 2021 20 how you will get closer to Christ? What plans have you made as far as improving your family worship? As you as a family, getting together and praying together. You as a family, discussing the word of God. When you're in your home, what plans have you made, mom and dad? What plans have you made about, about setting up some type of a prayer list for your family? About a Bible reading plan or a me Bible memory plan for your family, for you as a couple? What have you planned? What have you done? What have you done if you have small children? What have you planned to help them to have some type of devotions? That big family Bible won't cut it for the little kids. What plans have you made in order to provide something that will help them at their level to learn more about Christ. What plans have you made to serve Jesus this year? What have you thought that you're going to do when it comes to sharing the gospel? What, the, what have you thought about as far as improving your prayer time? What have you thought about as far as a ministry at church that you can get involved in in 2021? What have you thought about how you're going to minister to the widows and the widowers? Maybe you could adopt one and you would focus on that individual and in prayer and encouragement. What plans have you made? Have you even thought about it yet? Have you even thought about what you're going to do for your Bible reading this year? How you're going to do it? If you're going to read a, pro a chapter of Proverbs every day and get through it once a month plus something, what are you going to do? How are you going to do this? What have you thought when it comes to, you know, I'm going to do some Bible study and I need to have some Bible study helps what are you going to do for commentaries? What do you, is there a topic you're going to research this year? We're going to research end times together. But what are you going to do personally? What are you going to do as a couple? 
Have you thought through what you're going to do with Bible reading? How you're going to learn more about Jesus Christ? Have you even thought about some book you could buy that talks about Jesus? Have you thought about maybe doing a Bible study in your neighborhood to be able to help others or open your home in some way to some family members to try to learn and discuss more about Jesus? What have you planned? Wise people plan and then they follow through. There's no wisdom in just saying, whatever comes, comes. Well, guess what? Nothing will improve because you didn't plan for it. You're not preparing for it. And next year at this time, if the Lord tarries, you'll say, oh, I wish I would have worked on my prayer life. I wish I would have worked on my Bible reading. Work on it. Plan. Prepare. Be wiser this next year as a parent, as a Christian, as a believer, as a couple. Plan to learn more about Christ. Make the preparations that are vital at this point. Let's do another one. Number 11. Modern wise men are not ashamed to share with others what they already know about Jesus Christ. Modern wise men are not afraid to share what they already know about Jesus Christ. Here comes the wise men. They're coming into Jerusalem. We already read the passage that when they come into Jerusalem, they start asking, they start talking, and they're saying to the people, verse 2, where is he that is born king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And all Jerusalem becomes in an uproar. So they come in and they say what they believe. They don't know a whole lot, okay? They know a lot, but they don't know a whole lot about everything with Christ, but they know enough. He's the king. He's the Jews. We Gentiles need to worship him. He's this special person. So they talk about what they believe, and they share with others. We have a desire to come to worship him. They're not, they're not hesitant to say that. They're not ashamed to say that they are followers of the Messiah and come to worship him. They say that to all types of people. They come into the city and they're talking to Jews. They're Gentiles. They're talking to the Jews. They're talking to those who are of noble class. They're talking to regular people. They're talking to the ruling class. They're even talking to Herod without realizing how dangerous this is because he is such a flighty, you know, fickle character. And so they're talking about Christ Without, appreh- without apprehension or hesitation, they're saying, I worship Jesus. I, I, I'm coming to worship him. Are you ashamed of Jesus Christ that you don't mention him at work? Are you hesitant to talk about Christ to your neighbors? Well, wise people are not ashamed to share what they already know about Jesus Christ. They're willing to say, I'm a follower. I, I'm there. I'm with him. I want to learn more about him. And they'll talk about him. They'll plan on that. So what about you? Will you talk about Jesus Christ this year at school? At work? Will you be one that you are willing to give out tracts this year? Gospel literature to individuals. Are are you one that says, this year I'm going to pray for and I'm going to be focused on trying to share the gospel with XYZ co-workers? This person is very discouraged. This person is very defeated. This person is almost depressed because of COVID. I have some good Christian literature that is very encouraging and upbeat. I could buy them that book and give them as an opportunity for them to be exposed to the gospel and to be encouraged. What about this? What about saying, I will open up my home and I will do a Bible study. I will pray about it. I will consider this. What plans are you making to share what you know about Jesus Christ? Wise people do this. They want to talk about Christ. Let's do number 12. Wise people are individuals who are grateful for what God gives them when he gives it to them. Boy, this is a challenge, is it not? To be grateful for what happens when it happens. You and I, sometimes we're struggling just to be grateful. We are challenged. We are overwhelmed by the difficulties of, of challenges of being isolated and being separated, not able to do what we want to do. We're challenged by the idea of illnesses and, and difficulties and threats to family members. Okay? Wise people will work on keeping the right attitude. The right attitude that says, here's what they did. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Now think about this. This is after they leave Herod, okay? And they're headed towards Bethlehem. Now the star, and we talked about it being a supernatural star, appears and gives them direction to the house. They have had a long trip. They have had a difficult journey. They have seen God's blessings in the past. And they have gone through this travel now for months 
And when they see the star, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're rejoicing. Even though others didn't give them a whole lot of help, others aren't going with them. They're still going to have this spirit of rejoicing and giving praise and, and not getting discouraged. Here's what God is doing for me. And they see what God is doing by having the star reappear and encourage them. And so they're rejoicing even though others around them, situations, they, they, things still aren't what they thought they should be. But they're rejoicing. And they're giving thanks with exceeding joy that, hey, I see the hand of God in this. We see the hand of God there. God's leading once again. People aren't, aren't doing what we want. And this trip is really hard. And this is exhausting. But we see the hand of God. And they're rejoicing. And they're giving praise. It is a challenge to you and I to, perfor- to portray a joyful attitude when we are exhausted. When we are wore out. When we've had enough of paying and going through certain long ordeals. We, we get exhausted and we don't have that spirit of joy, but it is so important. There's a, there's a gal who tells the story of what happened to her. Her name is Jeannie Williams. She wrote in, her, in a story, she's a Christian author, about how years ago, uh, well, let me bring it, that here in modern times, one of the things she does, she decorates her home and she opens up her homes as well as others on her block, that they open up their homes for Christmas decorations. She uses that as an opportunity to share her faith with gospel literature and things of that sort. And so she often notices that there's one special scene that she set up in one of her main rooms, and it's a manger scene, but the baby Jesus is not there. And she frequently hears the comment, what happened to the baby Jesus? Kids ask, what happened to the baby Jesus? And she again uses it as a testimony, and as she goes on, she thinks, and she's reflecting in this article, that she didn't always have a good attitude around the holidays. In fact, as she describes it, she made Scrooge look like a happy guy. Okay? That she had a miserable attitude, and, she, and it all ties to that one manger scene where the baby Jesus is gone. You see, what happened years before is she was in a store, she was shopping, and she was in one, a second-hand store, to be exact, that she was doing some shopping. She hated shopping. She thought she'd go there. She'd just get some inexpensive gifts to give to some family and friends because she hated to go to the main stores that were overcrowded. And she's in this store going through all of woe is me because I have to shop. Woe is me because this is a terrible holiday season and it's so commercialized. La, 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 la. She's a believer. But she does not have joy. And she is complaining. And as she is standing at this one side of one of these shelves, she overhears something on the other side of the shelf. And she hears a little girl. And the little girl and her mother, she puts together, she hears the mother sharply say to the little girl, get that thing out of your mouth. You don't pick up stuff and put them in your mouth. And the little girl responds, I'm not putting it in my mouth. I'm kissing it. She said that the manger, the, the crib, fell onto the floor and baby Jesus broke. So she, I'm picking him up and I'm kissing baby Jesus to make him feel better. And the mother says, you can't have to put that back. And the little girl is, is now holding the baby. What happened is Mrs. Williams moved the boxes she wanted to see. And she see the little girl holding the baby and cuddling the baby and singing away in the manger. And then the little girl turns to mommy. And mom is over here. She can see through the boxes that she moved. That mom is back there looking at some used clothing. And she can tell by their clothing they are not well-to-do at all. That they are really struggling, apparently. And so the little girl turns and says, Can I buy this, baby Jesus? And mom, without turning around, speaks in a harsh voice, No, we have no monies, extra monies for foolish things. Put that back. And the mom turns and starts coming this way. So Mrs. Williams puts the boxes back. She doesn't want to be seen you know, as somebody that's stalking them. And she's waiting to hear mom scold the little girl. Nothing. She's waiting for the little girl to do something. Nothing. It's very quiet. So she moves the boxes. And when she looks, there's mom holding the little girl. And mom is crying and sobbing. Not out loud, but she can tell mom is sobbing. And the little girl is saying to mommy, patting her on the shoulder, It's okay, mommy. We can put him back. We don't need something like this. Besides, my Sunday school teacher told me that if you have Jesus in your heart, that's all you need. And we have Jesus in our heart, and we have, we have the happiness of Christmas. We don't need this baby Jesus. 
So mom lets the little girl go, and the little girl puts the, the baby Jesus back in the manger, and they walk away. Well, as soon as they walk away, Mrs. William runs around, grabs that manger scene, the whole set of it, and goes and pays for it. And when she's paying, she tells the clerk, here, I want you to take this broken statue of Jesus, the baby Jesus, and I want you to give it to, and she points out the little girl. And she goes out to her car, she's getting in her car ready to leave, and it so happens that mom and little girl come out of the store at the very same time. And mom is holding little girl's hand, and little girl is holding the baby Jesus, and she is skipping, and she rolls down the window, and she hears the little girl say, this is the best Christmas ever! And Mrs. William writes about this idea, that she said it changed her attitude, changed her attitude drastically, that she who had lots would get so miserable at the Christmas season instead of thinking about Christ in our heart and how to be an encouragement to others. And what about me and what about my problems as opposed to what about other people? What about giving? What about encouraging? What about being a blessing? What about opening up my home as an opportunity to witness for Christ? What about leaving the baby off and then explain that this, it's more important to have the baby in our heart, the Christ child, the Savior, the Lord in our heart than it is in a manger scene? And it changed her just drastically. And she developed that spirit of joy. And she said in her article that as she looked at that manger every year, it helped her to grow in her appreciation and her rejoicing. What about you? Has this been a miserable Christmas season because of the things you didn't have? You couldn't go. The restaurants you couldn't visit. The relatives you couldn't get together with as opposed to looking at what about the blessings God has given you? What about the tremendous amount of gifts that the Lord has already given to you? I know there's disappointment in all those other things, but what about believing that Jesus Christ is doing what's best for you, that he is in control, and that we should be rejoicing and giving thanks and looking for the blessings that God has put into our life? Modern wise men, not only are people rejoice. But let's do number 13. They do not give up. When serving Jesus Christ leads you into situations or places you weren't expecting. The re- what I'm getting at is this. The wise men weren't expecting what they found. When all of a sudden they, they're getting direction from the Word of God via Herod. When they're getting direction via the star. They didn't expect to end up in Bethlehem at a house with a poor family. They didn't expect that. How do we know that? Well, look at the story. They're coming to search, searching for the sovereign Savior who's a Jew. Where did they go to? They go to Jerusalem. Why Jerusalem? What's in Jerusalem? It's the capital. What do you expect to find in the capital? The king. They go there expecting with the idea, they go to Jerusalem with the idea that he could be a king already. He could be an already, already inaugurated even as an infant. It's their capital city and surely everybody knows because when they come they just start asking, where is he this born? They assumed the Jews knew where their king was, that everybody would know this. It wasn't what they expected. It wasn't at all what they were anticipating. Here they come and they, they find that in, you know, when they come to the house, think this through, that all of a sudden you know, no one seemed to know this child. You know, no, they go to a small remote village. There aren't, he's not in the capital. He's the king. But he's in a, he's in a no offense to you up there, he's in Ono. Okay? You know, by comparison to, let's say, Lebanon is Jerusalem. He's in a small little spot. Okay, in a small little... They didn't expect that. Think it through. They're led to a regular house. They thought he would be in a palace. Okay, it's not what they expected. The child's this commoner. Think about Mary and Joseph. They're not royalty. They don't have all the, all the garbs of nobility. They're poor people. They're living in a regular house. Despite all of their expectations for what they thought in this entire trip. And they get there, and it's not quite what they, what they expected. These individuals, they continue to do what God directed them to do, worship Christ. Totally unexpected where, where they found him, but they're going to worship him. They're going to worship him without hesitation. So we ask these questions. What about you and me? 
What about you and me when all of a sudden your friends didn't do what you expected? They forgot about you. They left you behind a rocking chair hidden. What happens when all of a sudden God doesn't answer your prayers the way you want him to answer? When you wanted him to answer? What happens when there's changes when all of a sudden you fully believed you deserve the promotion, the raise, and somebody else gets it? Well, what's it going to be like when all of a sudden you think that you should be on the first string? You should be in the first chair. You should be the one chosen for that school drama. Are you still going to serve Christ when things aren't what you expect? When all of a sudden, you know, you, you, you think you're going to get ahead. And all of a sudden, these bills that you didn't expect, they show up. There's problems. Appliances give up the ghost. And you're stuck with going farther behind. What are you going to do when all of a sudden an unexpected trial whams you down this week? Next week, next month. What are you going to do? And these things do come unexpectedly. Things that we thought we are in control of. I remember I shared with you the story of a lady who called the police department. And she's calling the local police department and says, Is somebody there? Can somebody come to my house and get rid of the skunk that's in my basement? And the police officer says, Well, that's not what we typically do. What happened? She says, Well, I accidentally left a window open and the screen is semi-busted. And a skunk came in. And the skunk got into some of the area where I store things in the basement, you know, some extra food items. And now this skunk is in my basement. I want it out of the basement. Can somebody help me? He says, I don't know about helping you, but, you know, why don't you make sure there's some wood there that it can get back up to the window? She says, yeah, I, I didn't go down, but I know that there's some boards there. That's how it came down. So it surely could get up. He says, okay, here's what you do. Take some of those crackers or things that you, you just look down there and you see what they got. In. Take some of those and put them by the windowsill. And then you know, put a whole line of them all the way to the woods where the skunk came from. And that skunk should smell that, should come on up those boards, crawl out, and then go back into the woods. And she says, okay, I'll try it. The next day she calls and she gets the same police officer. He recognized the voice and said, how did it work? She said, well, it worked. She says, the skunk followed it. Not the same skunk. Two more came out of the woods, followed it, and now they're in basements. Now I got three skunks. It isn't the way she planned it or that police officer. You are going to end up sometime this year probably with three skunks in your basement. In some way, shape, or form. Things aren't going to work the way you thought they would. Do you remember in March when they first announced we're going to shut down and we all thought, a month? We're going to shut down for a month? There's no way we're going to be shut down until June. Hershey Park's going to open. I mean, Hershey's got to be open. You know, we got to get the roller coaster in. And things weren't what we expected. And it happens in personal lives. Some of the people we mentioned at the beginning, they didn't expect to be having to deal with doctors this week. Some didn't expect to have to be dealing with funeral directors. Some didn't expect to have to deal with two weeks of isolation. And it happens. What are you going to do? What are you going to do when things don't work the way you thought they should? Will you continue to serve Jesus Christ with the right attitude? Wise men will. Wise men are not controlled by the circumstances. They're controlled by the Christ. And they have the right attitude. Does it mean that it's, not, it's easier for them? No. But it means they're looking for the blessings. They're thanking God. They know he's in charge. They're going to worship him and humble themselves before him. And they're going to continue to use opportunities to share their faith in Christ. And to learn more about him. Can we give you another thought here? Okay. To be a modern wise man, keep on following God's directions after you have worshipped him. It's great that you are here. I am glad that you are here. I'm glad that you are watching from home. I'm delighted that you've taken the time to worship. What are you going to do in the next hour? What are you going to do later on this evening? What are you going to do tomorrow? Well, are you going to continue to follow the directions of God Almighty? The wise men did. Now their directions were different. 
Okay? God speaks to them. God directs them. God tells them, you can't go back to Herod. And so even after they worshipped, okay, they're going to do what God says, even though they said, they indicated to Herod, we're coming back. Okay? God told them to do something different. Okay, we're going to do that different. We're not going to go back. Even though it may very well cost them more time, more energy to take a different route. To all of a sudden go a different way that they had thought about and planned for. But they're going to do it. They're going to do it because God's will was more important than anything else. In fact, doing God's will right now is what I need to do. Even though I did it yesterday and I've done it in the past, I still need to do what God wants today, tomorrow. I don't get a free pass because I was obedient yesterday. I, 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 don't get, I don't get to do whatever I want as a believer because I served him for months and months and months. Now I'm done. Now I can serve myself. The wise person realizes, the wise believer realizes, I'm going to have to serve Christ tomorrow. When I go to work tomorrow, even though I worshiped and I sang songs and I did all that we're supposed to do here and, and I gave the Lord time and energy and worship and praise, tomorrow when I go to work, I need to be honest. I need to be upright. Tomorrow when I go to school, I, I need to have integrity at school. I need to have pure speech. This week, even though I've been in church and I've worshipped him, this week I need to work on my family. I need to be the right type of, of teenager. I need to be the right type of sibling. I need to be the right type of wife or husband. I need to work at it. I still need to follow God's directions despite what I've done in the past. After I've worshipped, will I follow through? Will I be obedient? Hey, what about you? Or do you leave all your sacrifice, all your worship right here and then walk out and we forget about Jesus Christ? No, no. Wise people, they will continue to follow and serve Christ even when they depart from worship, from the act of worship. There is so much in this text. There is so much here by example, by illustration, that it just pours out of the passage to say, will you be a wise person in 2021? Which one of this list that you have in front of you, if you've taken notes, which I hope you did, as you've done them, which one are you going to work on? Which two? There is so much here that we could be working on one a month, and we'd still want to be growing and growing, but work at becoming a wiser person. Now, you're sitting here or you're watching at home. The first step on being wise is worshiping Jesus Christ humbling yourself before him. And the only way you do that, the very first step to do that, is admitting that you need Jesus as your Savior. That he is the way to get into heaven. There is none other name under heaven whereby men must be saved. It's Jesus. Ask Jesus Christ to become your Savior. If you're, if you're here this morning as I pray and you want to talk to somebody, go meet the people that will be at that door. Our staff is headed over there right now making themselves available to be able to encourage you and to talk with you. If you're at home and you're watching, feel free to call. Contact us. We will get back to you. Email us. We'll get back to you ASAP and explain how to call upon Christ to be your Savior. I'm going to pray. We're going to end up leaving in a few moments. But while I pray, if you have that decision to make, go and talk with somebody right now as we pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for your grace to us. Thank you for these examples. Help us to be wiser people. And I thank you that there's so many wise men and ladies and teens right here, right now, who are watching, who are in this auditorium. But help us to become wiser, to become more dedicated in this next year. Help us not to just be hearers of the word, but to be doers. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.